This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's now time for local poetry and discussion on Beyond Rhyme. big welcome from Beyond Rhyme. My name's Ellen and we do a poetry show mixed with creativity around Christchurch and today we have a guest, Andrew, who's written short stories, poets and has also been in a band so we may study his lyrics later on in the show. And today Camilla joins us by Zoom. Hello everybody, great to be here. When I walk here, I walk past the Town Hall Fountain and it's beautiful to me when it's going. They only have it going when there's events happening in the Town Hall. It was donated by a couple of people in 1972 and they just had trouble clearing out the flutes. So it's a beautiful fountain to go and see on your way through to town to the Town Hall from Victoria Square. Lovely. What was it like outside this morning? A bit muggy. Yeah. Yeah. As I said to somebody else, it's probably similar to what you get in Auckland. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's climate change, sadly. Yes. Is it? Is, <laughs> is it good for surfing, though? It might, it might be, yeah. It's hard to know. I've got a friend who's got a video of the beach from his house, looks at the surf. It's like a, right. like, like a web page like or something. Be- beach cam. Beach cam, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at the waves, yeah. Which which one? Which where where does it? Uh, okay. Waimari, I think, or Brighton itself. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's one at Waimari that the um, the surf club, I think, operate. That'll be the one then. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, you might be you know the guy that sort of looks after it. Is that? Oh, I I just got an old friend who got into surfing about three years ago. Oh right, right. And he's just still learning how to be balanced on the board and. He has a lot of fun and he gets out there whenever he can. Yeah. And your favourite beach is Taylor's Mistake? Yeah, it would be around here, yeah, because it's probably got the best quality waves, yeah. Are all the batches still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the cliff faces? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, like a while back, I think the council wanted them all gone because they're kind of all illegal, I think. Oh, they're illegal now? I think they're all on council. Are they still on power and stuff like that? Have they still got power? I suppose they have. Yeah, I think so. I couldn't guarantee, yeah. but, but they certainly, you know, the batches are still there. And I think the council wanted them all gone, but nothing seemed to come of it. Not much privacy, is there? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the batches facing the public and the sea. So. Yeah, yeah. Just clarify, is it good quality waves for surfers? In, in Taylor's mistake, you mean? Or, yeah. or, or just, well, I mean, you know, sometimes it's not good quality because unfortunately in Christchurch to my great annoyance we have a preponderance of northeast winds which or yeah. east or northeast winds which just sort of turned it into a big mushy you know ice cream thing which is not much good <laughs> for surfing but but um you know when the wind swings round from the south it can be good yeah Take note of that word, audience, preponderance. <laughs> I'm going to write that down and look it up when I get home. 
Yeah, so Angel, that's so nice to have you on the show again. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's really lovely to have you. And um, would you like to reintroduce yourself to, to our audience? Okay. And talk about what, Any... what you've done in your writing and in your creative life. I'll sort of be reasonably brief because you can listen back to the podcast and get my origin story, as they sometimes call it. Um, yeah, so um, my dad was in the bank and my childhood was moved around a lot all around the North Island, not the South Island, but small country towns. And uh, then for my sins... My parents sent me to a boarding school in Auckland. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I started writing poetry. I sort of wrote little scraps of things, I suppose, when I was like 11 or 12. But I suppose I started writing kind of semi-seriously when I was about 15. Mm -hmm. I started writing poetry. And it was mainly, it was sort of inspired and well, I was doing it mainly. I was sending the poems to this girl that had ended up that we used to know who'd end up in the um, psych ward of Auckland Hospital because she'd tried to take her life and and that sort of thing. So that was a yeah. bit sad, but that yeah. sort of that sort of how I started, and I just kept going. Yeah. Were you able to write sort of out of self poetry, is what I call it, rather than emotional in your teens? Like, if I wrote in my teens, it'd be very emotional. And yeah, my probably I th I think somewhere at home in the in the garage, I think I still got some sort of like I used to write them in you know exercise books, and um, I think one time a few years back, I, I I sort of had a peek at some of these ones that I was writing when I was like 15 and they were probably very um, serious and important to me when I was 15. Oh, of course, of course, when yes. I, I was 15, <laughs> but when I looked back at them, I thought, oh, no, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a bit naff sort of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it's nice that you are able to, to revisit them, you know, because some of the, those things that we write at that age get lost. You know, an yeah. opportunity. So it's really nice that you're able to re-encounter your 15-year-old self. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, I'm pretty sure that somewhere, um, you know, I could dig them out. Um, you know, all these different exercises that are exercise books that I wrote in at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I'll tell you a funny story. Yes, <laughs> please. Um, I was really, when I was like a teenager, you know, there were certain um, poets that I was really into, like Leonard Cohen and that. And um, What about uh, Dylan Thomas? Yeah, and Dylan Thomas, yeah. Yeah, I was really into Dylan Thomas. And, um, I remember. Oh, you got a good memory, yeah. I do. <laughs> um, and, and I was really into the work of Sam Hunt too, you know, and I'd probably sort of like seen him performing as poetry in a couple of places, you know, so I got together this big kind of a manuscript, I guess you'd say, of these poems that I'd written like when I was 15 and 16, you know, and I mm -hmm. sent them off to um, Alistair Taylor was the guy's name who was Sam Hunt's publisher, you know, and I was, mm -hmm. I was sort of like all excited and I thought, oh, you know, I could be a child prodigy, you know. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> so I sent so I sent this manuscript, but he sent it back, you know, with a very, very nice letter, just like gently, gently disappointing me. But you know, he was, um, yeah, it was a very nice rejection letter. I, I thought <laughs> he probably he probably thought I don't want to crush this sixteen-year-old kid's, um, you know, all this. All his aspirations. So, yes, it didn't yeah, put you off writing, did it? No, 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 no. But I just thought it was, looking back, at the time it was very disappointing, but looking back, you know, I mean, I wasn't obviously in the um, same league as Sam at the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I just knew that he published Sam Hunt, so I thought, oh, here's a go. I knew he was a New Zealand publisher, you know. Were your peers no. or your friends or associates writing poetry back then, or was not, it just not, you? Not that... Not that I was aware of, you know. Mm. Um, oh, there, there would have been people, but I don't know whether it's just a, perhaps it's just a sort of male macho thing when you're a teenager. I, I probably didn't um, broadcast the fact that I was writing poetry, you know. And, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't actively know of anyone else or buddies that were writing poetry, no. And um, and what about and how did the whole musical journey started for you, or how yeah how old were you when that started? Uh, probably about like eighteen. Oh yeah, I, yeah. not I, that far from from that fifteen sixteen. No, no, I I I um I think I bought a guitar and I was sort of planning to teach myself but I was sort of like going surfing and stuff and not really <laughs> um, applying myself you know but um, I was flatting with these two guys that played guitar and um, so some nights you know we'd have a few beers and that and just um, just, just sort of like jam and I'd just kind of like you know, make up lyrics sort of on the on the spot sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But then um, later, um, when I was, oh, it was after I'd come back from overseas, me and my friend Nick that I've been travelling around overseas, we went down to Queenstown. What would I have been? Uh, about 20... 223 at that stage and yeah. um, we had these friends that lived in um, Pyroa which is like you know on or sort of kind of not quite the Coromandel but it's close to the Coromandel and um, they had a covers band you know and we didn't really think anything of it but sometimes at night you know we, we used to make up songs and then when we'd made them up we'd um, tape them and we'd send them the tapes for them to listen to. And, and um, w- yeah, we weren't really thinking anything of it. But then um, when we ref- left Queenstown, we went back up to Wellington and we were at Nick's mother's place and they rang up and said, I oh, like, um, you know, did we want to, their guitarist was leaving and did we want to join the band? So... <laughs> We didn't. We didn't sort of um, 
because they wanted some original material because they didn't write any, you know, and and, uh, and we didn't sort of have any other other pressing plans. <laughs> we went up to mm. Pyroar, of all places, to, um, yeah, play, play in a band and, and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we did that uh, for a couple of years and then... Um, me and Nick moved to Auckland, and that's that's when we formed. We we met two guys that were friends too, and they were bassist and a drummer, and that's when we started Sing Sing. That's wonderful. Okay, so I think we're gonna start the musical block today with a song from Sing Sing that is called Afghanistan. We'll see you shortly. Go and make a cup of coffee, get a glass of water. We'll be back soon.
Welcome back to Beyond Rhyme 2022. Yesterday we're recording, we're pre-recording, but it was the second of the second of the 2022nd. So, how often that happens, I do not know. Welcome back, Andrew. Birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday. <laughs> yesterday. I'd uh, just like to acknowledge Scorpio Books for their support of the show. They um, have a wonderful poetry section of New Zealand and international authors, and they also have a lot linked to the cultural side of Christchurch uh, around town. Uh, there's a lot, always a lot going on that we sometimes don't hear of, but there's, I just hear the, what's the movie cinema that's just going to be sold in Sumner? The oh, the Hollywood, the Hollywood, Hollywood. yeah. Oh, really? The guy's ninety. He's been serving behind the counter until he was ninety, and he said oh, it's time to make some money. Fair <laughs> enough. Oh. So I think he had three cinemas, and um, oh, he just looks so youthful. I, it's just hard to believe the, of his age. So we can never. Yeah, not... apparently that cinema's, cinemas. Someone told me that cinema's been there something like forty years or something. Mm. Mm. Such a cool place. Mm. I love doing that. Mm. So we're going to hear some poetry now, are we? I don't oh. know, are we? <laughs> yes, we want it. Okay. It's a hard-covered book he's got. It's very well presented. Right. Um, I'm going to read you a bit of a... A sad one, unfortunately. Um, this book, this uh, poem was inspired by. There's there was a big um, kind of inquiry into uh, just uh, this was in Western Australia, but just as what's happened here not so long ago, a big inquiry into um, abuse, you know, physical and sexual abuse of. Um, children in religious and other organisations. So this one's called Silent Night. They told him he was an orphan to be swept like so much dirt under the empire's carpet. He had further to go than the Israelites to be delivered into slavery. The men of God would make an honest man of him. This was not an attitude of prayer as he knelt naked outside Brother X's room. This was no crucifix he was made to clasp in the dark. This was no blessed communion he was forced to receive on his tongue. This Judas betrayed him with more than a kiss. Forty years on, he has carried his cross, hoping for a resurrection of the truth. Silent night, unholy night, we all sang. And then, like God, we were strangely silent. Wow. That, that is very, very intense. And, you know, you obviously have a great knowledge of all the, the Catholic and religious yeah, yeah. traditions. And yeah. coming up there, we see that um, composes, you know, that, that those parts of the poem, yeah, that makes it very, very intense. Yeah. You're not taking the mickey when you say... Under the emperor's carpet? Uh, no, no, because um, that that was referring to... Um, I'll leave it open. Um, that was referring to the fact that 
a lot of these, um, and mainly young boys it was, a lot of them were sent out to Australia sort of by, you know, in the times when they still had the British Empire. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. They were sort of sent out in the 40s and what have you. And um, post-war, a lot of it. And the terrible thing was some of them were lied to, you see, because some of them were genuine orphans and so they were sent out. And they said, you know, we'll send you out, you'll have a wonderful life in the fresh air and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but um, but um, some of them were actually lied to and they did have parents, you know, or they oh, had, no. and they had a parent because... But the war had separated them, you know, because a lot of kids had to go into the country and all that, you know. And I think sometimes they didn't try very hard to find the parent, but the parent was still alive, you know. Mm. And some of these kids found out, you know, 40 years down the track when they were growing men that that, that they actually still had a parent, you know, and the, that parent was now dead or whatever, you know. Yeah. Wow. And... Um... That's, yeah, obviously, you know, big things like this, you know, they move us and they inspire us, they inspire us to, to write, you know, and you, that's, a, um, that's a very well written piece, you know, you obviously took your time and you planned everything to go in the right places to, to make, you know, a really good uh, picture. How long, like, would it take for you to write something like that? Do you remember how long? Um... Well, years and years ago, I sort of read or was taught in a writing course I was doing, you know, that it's like good to sort of leave a bit of time between drafts. And so quite often I would, you know, like leave, I'd write a first draft and they said, you know, the, the sort of advice is, you know, like put it aside and then when you come back to it like a few days or a week later, it's like you're coming back to it with fresh eyes and you can see the, mm. the weak bit. So, um, you know, I mean, that might have, in between d- doing various drafts, that, have, that might have taken me about a month or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's, there was one sl- sort of sad footnote to this is um, I, this was um published in the in the West Australian, which is the sort of main paper, you know, in, in Western Australia. And wow. um, not all that long after it was published, hmm. someone rang, rang up and, and my first wife um, answered and they wanted to speak to me, but I wasn't there. Hmm. And, and, and they... Um, and, and they said, like it was about, oh, they rang up and that's right. And they said to my wife, you know, is this Andrew Bell that, you know, wrote that poem that was in the paper, you know, last week sort of thing. And she said, oh, yes, it was. But I wasn't there to speak to them. And um, I don't know, for whatever reasons, privacy or whatever, but they didn't leave a number that I could call them back. And always slightly preyed on my mind, you know, because I thought, it was possibly someone reaching out to me that had had been abused, you know, or something like that. So, but wow. I, but I'll I'll never know. Unfortunately, it was just one of those things. Oh. Yeah, but it it just shows that this this kind of work that we do, 
it resonates. You know, it really like once we have the courage and the discipline for the, the, the creative mind to take the time, put it out there and share that can create waves, you know, and it can be healing waves. Yeah. Um, connecting waves because in a way you're saying, Hey guys, I know what you've been through, you know, I can, or, or perhaps I can only imagine, and I know how, I can only imagine how hard this is. So you're not alone, you know, we're here. Mm. We know. And uh, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Oh, I hope this person found, you know, something to, to comfort. Yeah, yeah, so do I. Mm. I hope it didn't stir up too too much for them, you know. Or if it did, that he found his way back, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do know of people who have been adopted, which is slightly different, but some of them are positive about meeting their birth parents and some are quite negative about it. It all all depends on who who they are and what sort of experience they had when they were young. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. If you're adopted, I don't know. If you're adopted as a baby, hmm. you think you'd want to meet your birth parents. But then sometimes, you know, there's all sorts of um, different combinations because sometimes the birth parents say they don't want to meet the adopted child, you know. So. Mm. Mm. Life, huh? Mm. Life. So do you have another poem for us? Yeah, certainly. I'll just go through and oh, here you go. That's this will cheer you up after that. <laughs> rather do, after that rather doer one. You got to write the old doer one, though, don't you? Um, this is another one from my days in um, Perth. Um, there used to be, uh, well, not there used to be. There still is. There was this big uh, freeway that 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 went um, north out of Perth, and. Um, Often, you know, like at the peak hours and that, I'd be walking along and I'd, there'd be these overbridges, you know, and you'd look down and there'd just be these tra- traffic jams, you know. And so um, I wrote this poem and I don't know if you ever, or maybe you didn't come in mm-hmm. Brazil, but I don't know, mm-hmm. Ellen might have. You know, we studied this poem, very famous poem at school called... Um, Elegy written in a country churchyard by Thomas Gray, you know, wow. which is a cool poem about this guy mm-hmm. sitting, you know, in the in the um, churchyard and looking at the gravestones and wondering about lives of the people, you know. So this was mm-hmm. just a little bit of a Mickey take, a, sort of a parody of that. The car horns toll the knell of parting day. The toxic fumes creep slowly o'er the park. The traffic homeward plods its weary way and leaves the world to joggers and the dark. Now fades the shimmering lakescape, lakescape on the sight and to the air the dusk its stillness brings. Save where mosquitoes wheel in droning flight, Ross River virus loaded in their stings. Save from the yonder television tower the besieged magnate to his mates complains the ABT, that was the Australian Broadcasting something. Oh, yeah. The ABT has exercised its power, sent him packing without ill-gotten gains. 
Beneath those tiled roofs that mortgage shade, where heaves the surf in many an exhausted heap, each of the dull cue, each of the dull cue, mortally afraid, whose father, forefathers once rode upon the sheep. The wheezy cough of beery breathing morn, they swallow Baraka for their straw-filled heads. The clock's shrill clarion o'er their arguing spawn, once more shall rouse them from beloved beds. For they no more have savings in their banks, both busy partners toil to meet their ends. No children run to lisp their heartfelt thanks, they clamour for Air Jordans like their friends. Oft did their annual jaunt to barley yield, their furrows smoothed by oily massage strokes. How jocund were their customs trolleys wheeled, their cases bowed by extra grog and smokes. Far from the madding crowd's ignoble strife, their media-fed dreams have learned to stray. The holy grail of the lotto life is ah. taken free out of the word freeway. Ah. <laughs> The Lotto Life, I like that. The Lotto Life, yeah. yeah. Some young chap just won $21 million. He showed the ticket to his mum straight away. He couldn't believe it. $21 million Wouldn't be bad if you were young, is it? And I don't know if you recognise that. I did pinch the odd little thing from the original poem by oh, Thomas yes. Gray, Far From the Madding Crowd. That was mm. one that was one that he, he coined. Mm. It's a great term, Far From the Madding Crowd. Well, it would be interesting. It would be interesting to put both songs side to side. So, yeah, I don't know the original one you mentioned, but I think his one's quite a bit longer than mine. <laughs> okay. So, why, why is New Zealand your preference and not Australia? Um. Well, I guess I came back here. I like living, you know, in Western Australia, and and. You know, I had some nice friends and things like that. Yeah. But my first marriage um, ah. sp split up, you know, and, and both my mother and father were getting on in years, you know, so I decided to make a um, clean break and come back to New Zealand, you know, which was kind of fortunate because I came back here at the end of 1994 and... Um, my father died in August '95, so wow. so it's kind of. And why Christchurch? You've been around the country. Why? Why did you choose Christchurch? It was we were economic refugees. Shirley. Okay, okay. <laughs> People would find this hard to believe now. Um, my second wife and I, um, and we had a little boy, our oldest son. He was about fifteen months old, and. Uh, we wanted to buy a home, you know, of, of our own, and, and we were living in Wellington at the time and renting. And we sort of looked around in Wellington and, and there wasn't anything that we felt like we could afford unless we lived sort of like miles out, you know, some suburb far, far away. And all my wife's family's down here and, and she said, oh, well, if I can... Because um, I was working with Air New, for Air New Zealand at the time so I could transfer my job... And she said, oh, if I can get a, you know, good, a reasonable job in Christchurch, we should move down there because houses were more affordable, you know. So that's wow. that's what happened in mid-2000. And um, I don't know if you'd say the same now. You probably wouldn't, but, but houses were a lot more affordable in Christchurch. Affordable. Yeah, yeah, than they were in Wellington, you know. Yeah. 
But you're willing to move around. Some people would just want to stay in the same place. They feel like it's home or it's a nurture place for them is to stay in the same place, you know? Well, yeah. Um, uh, we sort of moved away. Well, my dad was dead by that stage. My mum was still alive. Um, my brothers both, you know, in the North Island. We sort of moved away from my family a bit, but then my wife, all her, she's got three sisters, four girls, and um, they were all living here and her parents were living here and we knew, you know, that we could get um, her mum and dad helping us with childcare, you know, because mm. uh, her dad was extremely stoked when, when our son Thomas came along because oh. it was his first grandchild. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very special. Yeah. Very special. Have you got any questions, Camilla? I'm just enjoying all the stories that Andrew's sharing because he he just takes us on his own journey. You know, it's very, very... We're so privileged to have you, Andrew. Mm. Thank you. And I think we... It's Ellen's incisive... Questioning too that yes. draws it out of me. Are we going to have another music break? Are we? Yes, yes. So I think we're going to listen to "Man of Sorrow," also by Sing Sing. And by the way, there's a really cool video clip that you can find online and see what the Kiwi band, Auckland-based, right? Andrew? Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Auckland-based yeah. '80s Kiwi band was like. So take it away with Men of Sorrow. We'll I be think. back soon. In the shadow of day I'm feeling so bright and lonely In the harsh light of dawn I'm feeling so bright and lonely Lost the trust inside me Came like brittle wire
Here we are once again, Beyond Rome 2022. Hope you're enjoying yourselves. Hope you enjoyed the music. And we have Andrew here, a very talented guy who writes poetry, short stories, lyrics. Yes, yes. And plays music. He was the lead singer of Sing Sing, so we celebrate that today. I noticed with writing poetry or lyrics that sometimes we get caught up in what we think the reader wants to hear rather than what we want to write, if you understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, how, do you, how do you find that? How, take your time. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I am <clears throat> sort of, you know, like writing is it, or music or any of that, anything like that, uh, theatre, um, I am always aware that it's a communication, you know, and it's a communication between, like, if you're the writer, it's, you know, you and even one reader or, 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 you know, a whole lot of readers and things like that. But I'm never actually conscious of sort of, like, writing what they want to hear. Yes. Because cause I think if you go down that road you can just kind of lose your own sort of creative identity. You That's know? completely right. Thank you very much for saying that, Andrew. <laughs> no worries. I, yeah. I, I remember once, I, I won't name any names, but I sent a, was a few, quite a few years back, I sent a bunch of poetry. Um, I, I think the magazine's still going. There was a literary magazine um, called Poetry New Zealand, you know. Mm. And I sent some submissions and I, I think I sent like a bit of a, what would you call it? Like, a, you know, I sent more than one, you know, like a, I sent one and sort of that got rejected and then I mm. sent send some more and they got rejected and then about a third time or something I sent some. And, I re- and he, the guy that was the editor is quite quite a, Actually, he may be dead now, but he was quite a high-profile, you know, the guy that edited was quite a high-profile New Zealand poet. And he said that my poetry wasn't modern enough. I remember he said mm. that, you know. He said, oh, you've got to, you've got to read all these different poets and, 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 and see, you know, what their style is. And he had these, you know, I mean, he meant well. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't take it badly or or, or anything mm-hmm. like that, and but he said, oh, you know, it's not modern enough, and a lot of your stuff reads like very old fashioned and all that sort of thing, and and, and um, you know, he was sort of telling me to read these various poets and kind of more ate their style, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, I didn't respond. I took the letter in good faith and good grace, and I didn't respond to him or anything, and I, but I just thought, well. My style is my style, you know. If, if, mm. if you don't, that that's my style. That's that that that's how I feel compelled to write. So, 
if, mm-hmm. if you don't like my poems, well, ah! you know. That, you don't like me. If you well, don't like my no, poems. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, you never take it personally. You know, he and I might have got on like a house on fire um, yeah. pers- if we met. But no, I didn't take it personally or anything. I just, I, I just thought, well, he was kind of telling me essentially to change my style. And, mm-hmm. I, and I just thought, well, okay, you think that's good advice, but I don't think it's good advice because I... I just Do think you that think would, it, would be false, you know. I'd be being being false. Do you think it would only be say? for commercial reasons? Um, no, I, I don't think so because, you know, like obviously Poetry in New Zealand was a literary magazine that had its subscribers and what have you, but, you know, I don't think it sold by the truckload, you know. I don't think it was going out the door at, you know, 50,000 copies or anything, so... Yeah. No, I think he was just saying that I should do that and I was more likely to get published if I did, but I thought, mm. well, that's that's not my style. My style is my style. I've developed over whatever, however many years, you know, and so I'm not going to go and, you know, I could read the poetry of other people and enjoy it, but I'm not going to ape their style, you know. Mm. It's um, self-knowledge, I think, would help a lot with that. You know, if you know... The stories you want to share, if mm. they are your stories, mm. going to honor them with your own voice. You know, mm. that's what they say. It's like, this is not my style. This is not my voice. You know, yeah. I need to speak as Andrew. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah. Anyone yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. You saying um, that reminded me of something too. I went to, um, can't think which school it was now. Anyway, I went to a school one time. And I was observing these. I didn't go as a writer or anything. I think I was just there as a. Must have, I don't know if it was one of my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, might have, must have been one of my kids' schools. Um, and the teacher there was. I, I can't remember what. If they were, I don't think they were doing English or anything. But anyway, the teacher was talking to these pupils, and she was talking to them about. Um, quite advanced really because these kids were probably only about 10 but she was sort of talking about knowing yourself and that you know and mm-hmm. and 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 um, discovering who you were and that and uh, I found that quite inspiring so I, I don't think I've got it here but I, I went off and wrote a poem and sent it to her called Know Thyself you know because there's that mm-hmm. famous Shakespeare quote you know um, Know Thyself and to thine own self be true, and then you can not be false to any man or something yes, like yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to writing lyrics, how do you? I don't know. I don't know that I could write a lyric to fit in with music as well. Like that must be quite a challenge. Yeah. Um, for me, it mainly started out with singing to singing, you know, to the to the melody, and that and you get some ideas and it's kind of like a bit spotty, you know. So do <laughs> you, in a way, you cre- when you write a lyric, you also create the music in a way? Well, no, usually because, you know, like I said, um, I never learnt to play the guitar other than a few few chords. I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm certainly not a guitarist, you know. I could play a few chords and that, that was it. No, because I usually co-wrote with people, you know. Who were much better musicians than me, you know? Mm. So they'd have an idea, you know, a riff, something like that. You know, we just like 
play it over and um, sometimes when we were doing the sing sing uh, things we'd just be jamming in the practice room you know and then we'd sort of come up with something and we'd record stuff just on a little you know boombox thing and then we might hit on something that sounded quite good and we'd, we'd sort of develop that you know and I'd try and come up with a few lyrics and then I'd go away and you know, write, write more lyrics to them. Did you ever front a big band? Did, did, did you ever back a, be the backing band for, uh, not the backing band, but the pre-band oh, for a big oh, band? Oh, yeah, like a support thing, Support yeah. band, yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of times. They, they were only um, New Zealand acts, but they were, um, you know, they were much more sort of established or whatever. I don't know if anyone's heard, heard but they were quite big at the time. One time we supported Coconut Rough. They, yes. were, they, were, um, they were headed by this guy, Andrew McLennan. He, he, he had sung also with um, the swingers, you know, that did Counting the Beat. Um, and also this band fronted by this um, female songwriter called Diane Swan. Uh, she had a band called Everything That Flies and we supported them. And then she later went on to... I don't know exactly when after everything flies, but she went on to do this thing, Win the Cats Away. Yes. Yeah, they were really big. I think they played mainly covers, but they went round and... So how do you... Huge, huge crowds. How do you come about to play in a role like that, supporting a bigger band? It, it seems to me that you'd need a manager, but you've obviously done it through word of mouth or... Yeah, yeah, we never had a manager. Just sometimes... It's, it's a, I sometimes wonder whether it would have been a lot better we might have we might have done a lot better had we had a manager because you know manager if you get a good manager they can um sort of be you know they're like a, above the, the maybe band dynamics and and you know any 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 sort of argy bargy going on with the band you know and the, yeah yeah but the trouble is it's a bit of a what's that what's that sort of expression you know um I can't think of the expression I mean, but but usually, in, in, usually in order to have a manager, you know, um, you've got to be making a reasonable amount of money, yes, otherwise yes. they're not interested, yes, you know, because exactly. they've got to take 10% of your income, and 10% mm. of our income wasn't much. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm really curious about, you know, how, bands work you know musical i'm really into music mm. and uh yeah i had mentioned on the show previously that i was in love the, with the beatles documentary because you get to see a little bit about their band dynamics oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. can you talk a little bit about what of this band dynamics that is still so alive in your life or things that you treasure can you share a little bit about that um yeah, well, I guess, you know, um, when I got our tracks converted, you know, from like the analog on the on the on the EPs, mm. when I got them digitized, and I was also really pleased to get the sort of two tracks, the unreleased tracks, digitized as well. Um, you know, I thought to myself, well. You know, I'm an old fart now, and I, and I thought, but I thought to myself, because that's a, you know, it's a fair way away now. It's at least forty years or whatever. When I listen back to them, 
I thought to myself, you know, they they stand up, you know. I, they I do. Thought to myself, I, I thought, agree. I felt they do. Quite proud of them, you know, and um, and it sort of brought back all the memories of recording the tracks and and uh-huh. and and stuff like that. You know, we used to. Some people, I think, consider the studio a slog, but we all we all had quite a good time in the studio, you, you know. And then it was sometimes when we were in the studio that mm. something good would happen, you know. Like quite often, the engineers, because we always recorded in the small eight track, or oh, a couple of times a sixteen track, you know. But we often knew the en- engineers quite well, you know, and, and they were often musicians themselves and, they, and they'd hear this track when we were recording it and they'd go, that could really use a little, you know, a good bit of keyboard in there. And we'd go, okay, do you want to play it? And they'd go, oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, we had the engineers doing um, backing vocals and playing keyboard parts and all sorts of stuff, you know, and, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun because we'd sort of, we'd have the tracks, we'd have them you know, well, well structured and ready to record, but then we'd have these little surprises, you know. And then, of course, on backwards, which you probably won't get to hear, um, the bass player brought in a sax playing friend of his, and he played this amazing, amazing sax bit that really, you know, that lifts the song up really well. I think we're we running out of time. Be able to hear? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I was we, just going to say, if we don't hear on the show tonight, we can definitely lead our audience to the Spotlight, uh, Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Have them available. Yeah, All yeah. Sing Sing. Just look up Sing Sing. I think this other thing uh, pops up, but if you choose the one with the red album cover, that's ours. Because little did I know, I think there is another outfit named Overseas Band or something called, or a duo or something. So just quickly, was it was it raising families that stopped you carrying on playing music, or was no, it just... no, not really. It was um, it's too long in the last minute. We've got now it was all sorts of breaking up factors. Oh, the yes. drummer having to leave, and yes, and uh, yeah, and then the bass player got involved with a girl from England, and it was no, it was just the band members started going in these directions, and mm-hmm. you know, the centre could not hold. Mm-hmm. As, Hey, thank you very much for today. No worries. I've no really worries. enjoyed it, your creativity. Here. And um <laughs> yeah, there was there was a lovely, lovely chat. I look forward to listening to the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. If you've got Spotify by, really? by all the means, go ahead. We could do with the streams. <laughs> 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 Given that they pay you about Point oh three eight of a cent for every stream. I'll, Is I'll, that not, right? I'll, I'll not be wow, shooting let's... off to Hawaii anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see you next month. Thank you so much for everything today. Uh, I've really enjoyed myself, and I hope you have too. We'll see you next month. See you later. Bye bye. <laughs>